Welcome to Cloud Out Loud podcast with your hosts, John Gallagher and Logan Gallagher. Join these two skeptical enthusiasts, or are they enthusiastic skeptics, as they talk to each other about the cloud out loud. These two gents are determined to stay focused on being lazy and cheap as they evaluate what's going on in the cloud, how it affects their projects and company cultures, and sometimes how it affects the world outside of computing infrastructure. Please remember that the opinions expressed here are solely those of the participants and not those of any cloud provider, software vendor, or any other entity. As with everything in the software industry, your mileage may vary. Welcome back. So we had a question from our listenership asking about this thing that we talk about, lazy and cheap. What does that mean? And it's obviously our tagline, but it's also something that we think needs to guide everybody in the cloud. When we're doing our classes, when we're talking about testing, we talked about this in the previous episode about taking the test. The right answer of approaching things in testing in the real world in working with the cloud tends to be the lazy and cheap one. So what do we mean by lazy and cheap? Well, we designed this phrase to be challenging because those are two words with negative connotation. Lazy, cheap. So when we confront people with this, there's an opportunity there to try and explain where we're actually coming from. So Logan, do you want to talk a little bit about what the lazy and cheap means to you? Sure. So like you said, lazy, cheap, these are typically words that have a negative connotation. But when we're thinking about being lazy in the context of being in the cloud, writing code, delivering software products, lazy to us means minimizing the effort necessary to accomplish something. We're not expending unnecessary effort writing libraries when there's already supported standard libraries. We're not spending extra effort configuring operating system settings that have nothing to do with the application running on that server. So when we're being lazy in the context of writing code and writing software, we are focusing on putting our effort into the thing that delivers value to our app, to our project, to our organization, what have you. And it's totally the case. I mean, there is no one that we're aware of, no one who's listening to this podcast who has enough hours in the day to accomplish everything that they are committed to or they have been committed to. And that's the case with IT departments as well. If you are spending any time in recreating the wheel and redoing stuff that's already been done for you, you're not doing the right thing. And there's this anecdote I talk about is I was once in a project, this a long time ago, where for some reason they determined that the standard C library was not adequate. So we had three or four engineers who were rewriting the standard C library. Needless to say, that project didn't go anywhere. But from our perspective, the concept of lazy is doing the minimal effort to make sure that the project moves forward, that we're accomplishing the goal, so we can spend more time at the topmost layer of adding value. Yep. And cheap, in our context, means minimizing the amount of resources that need to be expended to accomplish something. So we're only paying for something when it's worthwhile. And I think the cloud unlocks a lot of potential to be cheap. You have the free tiers that are available across all of the major public cloud offerings. And this allows you to run a ton of Lambda or cloud function ex executions for free per month or writing to a BigQuery table in Google. Being cheap in the cloud means 
you are leveraging the managed services that each of these clouds offer. It means you're only spending money on compute resources when you need to for running your software. If your software can run a Lambda function or cloud function execution, there's no reason for it to be running on a server that's on all the time. And if you do have a larger workload that has to be running on a server, maybe that server can be turned off when that workload is not being run. So being cheap in the cloud is a matter of being really conscious about when you're utilizing resources. You're only paying when you can make money off of it. Yep. You have to examine the expenditure. And in this way, lazy and cheap kind of have a amorphous distinction here. You're only expending resources, expending time, fingers on keyboard, or writing checks for things that are directly focused on the outcome of whatever you're doing. And even if you are, let's say, signing up for continuous use or your uh, reserved instances in AWS, you're signing contracts to prepay that. You have quantified why you're going to use this stuff and you're taking advantage of a bargain, of the discount for it. So, Lazy and cheap, the terms are meant to be jarring, but they're also meant to be an introduction to a new way of thinking, a different cultural approach to IT. And in this particular case, we have to admit as IT professionals that information technology, these departments in corporations are frequently seen as cost centers, as not necessarily producing the outcomes that actually drive the business forward. They're meant to be plumbing because they are so expensive, because the effort necessary to get stuff done through the IT department is so overwhelming, the business really can't count on the IT department to be part of the initiatives to drive it forward. However, the businesses that really take advantage of this, really focus on IT, make it more efficient, and then take the products out of it to do new things with the company, they're incredibly successful. Classic case, Walmart. Walmart used to put HP... 9,000s, which are mini computers in every single store in order to facilitate capturing information, processing information with the goal of increasing inventory turns so that the IT strategy became key to the Walmart strategy. And what we want to say in continuously putting forward that the cloud needs you to be lazy and cheap is that you need to be cost cutting, but also focusing on the processes that actually deliver results. For the business. One other thing with the lazy and cheap lifestyle that we are advocates for is that it may require some effort up front to set up things like automation. In the IT world, we subscribe to the idea that if you're going to do something twice, you should script it because there's a good chance you're going to have to do it a third time and a fourth time. So writing scripts can require effort up front but it allows you to automate a process and then never have to do it manually again. And that, I think, captures how we view being lazy. It's not about avoiding all effort and avoiding all work. It's about avoiding toil. It's about automating and building processes and workflows, etc., so that you can reduce unneeded toil and energy expenditure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And... In my old sysadmin days, you could always tell the Unix system administrators because we reflexively created scripts under the uh, assumption that if I'm going to mount this disk once, well, I'm probably going to mount another disk, so I'll just generalize it into a script. And undoubtedly, most sysadmins out there have 
script directories under their home directory, which has tens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of individual scripts that they can call on to do things with and that also serve as knowledge repositories. So the idea of being lazy is exactly what you said, eliminating toil, eliminating unproductive work with the focus being if we're more productive, maybe we'll have more time for a personal life. <laughs> but if we're more productive, we make our initiatives that much more effective. So again, lazy and cheap are meant to be jarring. They're meant to be challenging, but they also represent a cultural change. Because how do you know if you're being lazy and cheap if you're not measuring? So along with all the other initiatives that are really gaining traction, things like DevOps, things like CICD pipelines, things like SRE, more and more we're understanding that we have to understand the effort we're putting out. We have to instrument our systems so that we can measure what's actually happening. And then we have to react to it. We have to say, our systems are producing at level X. We need them producing at level Y. Here's the effort we need to move to that level. Did we accomplish it? Yes or no. So we have these classic management challenges that have to be applied in the IT world that the IT world has managed to avoid up until now. So lazy and cheap as a philosophy, as a culture, is definitely something that the cloud rewards. But what are some of the examples of lazy and cheap in a generic sense? Like if someone's just looking to, I've got 10 servers in my data center, how can they be lazy and cheap if they're moving it over to something like the cloud? Yeah, I think the cloud can unlock a lot of potential for being lazy and cheap. With the cloud, you have infrastructure as a service where via an API call, you can spin up a server, an EC2 instance in Amazon, a computer instance in Google, removing a lot of processes that were required beforehand if you were setting up your own servers in your database, reducing things like procurement lead times. So if you can just spin up these resources on this infrastructure that's being provided to you by a cloud provider, then you can quickly and efficiently use the resources you need and none of the resources you don't need. Absolutely. But that also moves us to the next step in the process, which is well, if I'm spinning up this server in order to run a database, hmm, maybe I should look at it as a platform and let the cloud provider run it for me. Yep. With databases, every single cloud provider has a managed database option. In the event that you're not running a highly unique database, if you're running a relational database, it's very likely to be SQL Server, Postgres, MySQL. Those are all supported as a managed service by all of these cloud providers. And that kind of gets us a little higher up the stack to the pass layer, the platform as a service, leveraging these managed resources for your databases. You may be running a managed version of your messaging infrastructure. And when you are using the managed services that a cloud provider offers, you are avoiding a lot of extra work of setting up a server with all the correct operating system configurations to run your relational database, you know that these things have been tuned already in the managed service offering by experts in that field that really know MySQL and really know Postgres. And you can stand on the shoulders of those giants by using the managed service offerings. Absolutely. And by the way, you get something like the platform as a service for a buck an hour, two bucks an hour where a Google, an Amazon, a Microsoft is running the database for you. So you're essentially renting 
a database analyst, the DBA services that will ensure that your disks stay up, that your backups occur. For the price of a tenth, not even a tenth, maybe a hundredth of the loaded cost of a DBA. Also, these people are doing it all the time. In my career in running, for example, MySQL, if I have to set up another replication of the main server, it's probably been a year and a half since the last time I set up a replication. So I have to go back to the software or I have to go back to the manual, understand how to set up the software. I have to designate a time that it happens. I have to do all the folder all necessary in order to get a copy and synchronize the two. That is an enormous amount of my time, my effort, my brain space that I could just hit a button on a console and have happen in any of the major cloud providers. So I'm being lazy and cheap. Kind of the ultimate expression of being lazy and cheap is just hitting that button and suddenly I have replication, I have failover, I have all this capability that would have taken me days to set up. But in both of these cases, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, we have these things that resemble how we did things in the data center itself. But now the cloud is becoming something even more than that. The cloud is becoming what we in general call serverless, where we provide code and we give the cloud provider a context for running the code and then we step back. We say, here's a chunk of code. Please run this code under the following circumstances and the code gets executed for us. Serverless is a hot term in IT and has been for the past several years and caused a lot of consternation with some folks. And they'll sometimes say serverless just means it's running on someone else's server. To which I say that is the epitome of the lazy and cheap lifestyle right there. <laughs> it's running on someone else's server. That's ideal. And we would argue that serverless can become a squishy term. And sometimes people will call things serverless that are really feel like you're configuring a server. If you're having to specify how much CPU and memory and all these other configurations, this execution environment will have that's becoming to feel serverish, a true serverless resource, in my mind, and I think we would agree, means you aren't worrying about the underlying resources and how they're getting configured. You are just paying for compute time consumed. That is maybe the full expression of lazy and cheap in IT, is when you have a serverless environment for your compute workloads on something like AWS Lambda or GCP Cloud Functions, you are just providing a zip file or a binary of your code to the cloud provider. And then you may be specifying, okay, this code needs a gig of memory to run. And we want it to run at the most five minutes. But beyond that, you are handing over your code to the cloud provider and they're taking care of it. They're taking care of scaling they're taking care of restarting all of the pretty difficult problems around running and maintaining a server. So serverless becomes the ultimate expression of lazy and cheap, particularly because we have systems that are running serverlessly now that have been running for years that we've yet to pay for. Yep. We're not trying to defraud anyone. We literally have not gone beyond the free level of it. We have a site, www.petqts.com, petqts.com, which is completely serverless. If you go to the site, it'll ask you if you want to log in or not. If you do log in, then you are allowed to upload a picture, hopefully of a cute pet, to this site. It's just meant as a demonstration, both of a Firebase authentication and, more importantly, machine learning. 
because the picture that you upload is put through the Vision API, Google's Vision API, to determine whether that picture is objectionable. We look for sexual or violent imagery. In either case, if it's determined to be sexual or violent, then we will blur the picture. So this is a pretty complicated process. The login process, where you can create an account or you can use your Google account, and we'll extend it at some time to Twitter and Amazon. Using any of those accounts, that's five lines of JavaScript code. Now, there's a whole infrastructure that we call through Firebase for authentication, but the five lines of JavaScript allow you to come in. And then when the picture's uploaded, there's three lines of code that's submitted to the Vision API to determine whether the image is objectionable. As we said, this serverless approach is the ultimate example of lazy and cheap. We get to focus on the application area, implementation of things like, is it safe for work? Is a person allowed to log in? These are services that we consume. And as we mentioned, we have yet to pay for Yep. I mean, so that website is running and the HTML and JavaScript files that make up the website are stored on a cloud storage bucket. So we're not having to set up and configure and pay for a running server. We didn't have to roll our own authentication. We just used Firebase. To Firebase, its strength is uh, authorization and authentication. And we also have content moderation via the Google Cloud Vision API. So we have a fully functioning social media website with content moderation, and there are no running servers, or none that we're paying for at least, to set up this site. So what we hope that you take away from here, when we talk to people, the message we're trying to bring across here is the incredible capabilities of the cloud that don't cost you anything, that you can be lazy and cheap with. So you should rethink things like your e-commerce system. What is the actual functionality in the e-commerce system that requires back-end processing? We would argue order processing, obviously. Authentication, obviously. Perhaps search. So these three areas are where you add value to. So authentication, just do it with a Cognito for AWS, Firebase for Google, but where you create a better catalog where you create more options for your products. You're focused at the topmost layers and letting the implementation of that at the cloud happen for you. Don't be old-fashioned. Don't come into this saying, well, I'm going to be need to run Apache and I'm going to be running my PHP or my Ruby or my Python on these servers and I need this much space. Rethink it. Think things in terms of services that you're creating. Think things in terms of how you can implement those services serverlessly and be lazy and cheap. So I think we've established our manifesto on that one. Yes, indeed. And so next time we reference how we are lazy and cheap, you'll know that we don't mean it in a bad way. (laughs) (laughs) We're advocates of this lifestyle. And I think really this mentality delivers value to your organization. You're not working on something that's a thinly veiled hobby project on the company's time. You are dedicated to shipping code quality code quickly. Yes. Now, there's no way you're going to achieve or exceed the expertise of an Amazon in supply chain, of a Google in data manipulation. Use their tools to create the unique value that your company or you are looking for to get out of the cloud. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Cloud Out Loud podcast. Please let us know in comments if you caught either of the gents calling a product or technology by the wrong name. 
other information and suggestions are welcome too. Or feel free to tweet us at at cloudoutloudpod or email us at cloudoutloud at ndhsw.com. We hope to see you again next week for another episode of Cloud Out Loud.